It's episode two to the power of six, and this is Crypto Weekly. That's 64. Consensus has brought the good times back, listener. Everyone revel in the green candles and the herd upon herds of bulls. This week in the news, Binance gets hacked and loses 7,000 Bitcoin. Consensus updates galore. And a US congressman calls for a bill to outlaw cryptocurrencies. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. If you enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly and maybe throw us some of your newfound gains with this glorious green market. I'm joined in the studio by a skeleton crew. Studio? <laughs> well, in P-Money's residence, without <laughs> P-Money here. You've heard Buble already. Say hello, friend. Howdy, you right? What are you drinking this evening? Uh, Chateau Les Rambords. Excellent pronunciation. Mr. Crypto Beak. Chippenham can. It's me, Crypto Beak. What are you drinking, mate? I'm drinking Guinness. Just ITK will be ecstatic. I'm your host, Crypto Ken. It truly is just the three of us. I'm still on sparkling water. Let's get started with the news. First things first, it happened immediately after we released last week's podcast, I believe. It's the Binance hack. What exactly happened? Binance got hacked for 7,000 Bitcoin, Ken. It's quite a lot of Bitcoin. $40 million, I believe. Yeah, well, it was then. It's worth more now, isn't it? Yeah, that's how the market works. Yes. Uh, The Seifu Fund covered it, basically. Do we know how they got in? Apparently, it included both internal and external vectors. So, it seems like they fished some accounts. And there was something, there was some kind of uh, issue on Binance's end too. CZ was talking about how patient uh, the attackers were. So, it seems like they could potentially have executed this some time ago. But they were waiting around. Uh, for some kind of trigger, whether it was waiting for these accounts to get more funding, waiting to get access to enough accounts to do it all in one uh, fell swoop. Sounds like they were pretty professionals to me, Ken. Pretty well organised. And there was a bit of backlash following the yeah. hack. So firstly... suggestions that CZ made. Yeah, so before we get onto that, Binance set up uh, a Seifu fund. Basically, they've channeled some of their profits into a fund to cover hacks and things like that. This 7,000 Bitcoin was supposedly covered by the Seifu fund. So anyone who did get hacked got covered. uh, Binance CZ paid them the money back. A lot of people, there were two schools of thought. There was one group that was saying that Binance are professional world bosses get hacked have the money to cover it pay everyone back no major drama the other side were outraged that Binance could get hacked obviously it went pretty heavily on how people felt about Binance before that the people who didn't like it said 
oh, centralised shitcoin casino, get hacked like the rest of them. The other side, the BNB shillers, like us, were saying everything gets hacked. They had it covered, not a huge deal. But where it really got heated was when CZ suggested uh, a reorg on the Bitcoin blockchain to get his funds back. Chaos ensued on crypto Twitter. How can they reorg? How, how, you can't go back in time. It's an immutable blockchain. Yeah, this is the whole point, right? It did expose the gremlins on crypto Twitter who thought it was impossible to ever change the Bitcoin blockchain. People who should know better as well. Yeah, I mean, basically anyone who is involved in crypto Twitter should understand, should have a rough gist of how blockchains work. We are uh, going to come back to that, though, in more detail. For our Bitcoin deep dive case. Correct. Okay, but as far as the Binance situation went, uh, people were pretty outraged that CZ would suggest, A, that he was considering it, and B, that he potentially had the influence to do it. In the end, he said that he didn't want to do it, and then people slated him for that, and then he said that he couldn't have done it. It was a silly idea. We'll come back to whether we think that's true or not later on, but it went pretty badly for CZ on the whole. I think a lot of people were very upset that he would suggest that he was even thinking about it. He said that he hadn't had much sleep. He'd been staying up for two days straight or whatever, trying to fix it. It was a terrible idea, and he was just being transparent with his thought process. That didn't go down well. A lot of people are a lot more bearish on CZ on the whole after this uh, hack and his handling of it. I I think I've gone the other way on this. If, if as a BNB bag holder, if CZ has the sway to be able to reorg, like the you know the, the the enough political capital to be able to get enough people behind it to be able to reorg Bitcoin, the biggest chain of them all. Like, that's pretty huge. Do you really need that many people on speed dial, though, to do it? No. That's the question. Well, yes. He's got Gian on speed dial, and that seems to be just about what you need. Bitmain. Bitmain. But, yeah, I think for BNB holders, I don't think anyone... I think the hack was a slight worry. A lot of people thought it'd be extremely difficult. Some people even thought it'd be impossible to hack Binance, which clearly it was not. So that was a slight negative. But his handling of it, I think from a BNB perspective, was positive. I think it's it showed the amount of money they've got for starters that they can just drop 7,000 Bitcoin, which is, yeah, like $45 million or something at the time of recording. It takes them apparently between 40 and 50 days to make that back. So not a big deal to them. It didn't hurt any of their customers, so that's bullish. I think the people who a negative on CZ, I don't think they necessarily are bearish on the BNB token, or at least they shouldn't be logically, aside from the fact that Binance can get hacked and probably will get hacked again. So, probably the biggest news following Binance that's been going on this week and may be the case for ushering in the bull run. We'll find out later on Market Watch, though. And that is Consensus 2019. There's been some big announcements and some... Excellent false rumours. <laughs> Who wants to start me off? So the most entertaining part so far was eBay taking out loads of billboards saying that uh, something like crypto is the future and it's right here on eBay 
I'll tell you the exact wording. Please do. The exact wording of one of these advertisements at the consensus venue was virtual currency it's happening on ebay this obviously led to a few wild rumors not even necessarily wild to be honest based on that advert making the rounds on on twitter on other social media saying oh looks like ebay are going to be accepting cryptocurrency pretty reasonable reasonable conclusion to come to when you see those words on an official ebay advertisement that is not the case they came out with an official statement saying that they are not planning to accept crypto. They don't even accept, they haven't accepted for quite some time anyone selling it on their platform. I'm not exactly sure what the point of the advert was, Ken. Did we get to the bottom of the bat? They tried to suggest that it was because you could buy mining gear on <laughs> eBay. And that was why they'd taken out ads, spurious ads that didn't really make sense. So and they the, came out and said virtual currencies are actually banned on eBay. <laughs> the other one said reach 179 million active buyers in the world's largest marketplace, and they had that at consensus. Yes. What? <laughs> buyers of what? Yeah, and and now they're confused that people took this the wrong way. Yeah, eBay sound like they completely fucked it up. I don't really know how to take it. I feel like their explanation hasn't really. It's not done it for me, Ken. There's got to be more going on, surely. You'd think so. But then again, who has put this up there? Who has put these billboards up? But when they, sh- if they're not meant to be there, I really, I don't really understand it. I think there's going to be more to come on this story. I'll tell you who is going to be accepting cryptocurrency payments, though. And that is Starbucks and Whole Foods. Yeah, so that's big news in the United States. Uh, over here, we don't really fuck with Whole, Fo- Whole Foods. If anyone does it, but you can. There you are Tarful? seven of them exactly in the UK, I believe. Nice. You've been to everyone. I used to live in an area of London and my local supermarket was Whole Foods. That's the least shocking news I've heard. I bought a broccoli for £4. <laughs> does that I also take it that you don't drink coffee from Starbucks either? Of course I don't. Okay, good. So Starbucks have been pretty vocal about looking to accept or implement blockchain, potentially accept crypto for a while now, but it seems like they actually are going to. They're gonna you're gonna be able to pay for things at Starbucks, Whole Foods, and a couple of the retailers, I can't remember what they are, with crypto. I don't know the exact specifics. They're going through a third party, aren't they, Ken? That is correct. The Winkle Winklevoss or whatever they're called twins are involved, aren't they? Yeah, so they're so yeah, they've got their Gemini stable coin as one of the uh, available currencies. So it's Bitcoin ETH, Bitcoin Cash, and the Gemini dollar. Do you have to wait an hour for it to confirm before you get your coffee? <laughs> I don't know. that would be quite depressing. Yeah, presumably this uh, this third party are handling it somehow. Works via Flex's Spend mobile app. Cool. What do we know about that? You fund your wallet and you use it with like similar to Apple Pay or Android Pay. Scan it on a contactless machine. Don't even know that you're paying in crypto. I think it's similar to MCO in that you load up your account or wallet with some kind of digital asset that they accept and then they handle converting that into uh, fiat currency. Got you. And it's Spedna as in like hodl, biddle, it's spend with the D and the N the wrong way around. Legend. It's It's just spend. Nah, it's not. They spelled it all crazy, bro. Oh, woo. Ethereum World News blown out. 
They've spelt it correctly. Yeah, that's they've done it. They've mixed up the letters like Crypto Legends. I do think it's pretty big news. This one I don't think is overhyped. I think the fact that some major retailers in the biggest market in the world are accepting crypto. That's, I mean, that's huge for adoption. If they accept it, you know, that's aside from a bunch, you know, like literally thousands of retailers, thousands of outlets accepting it, I think as like market leaders, that is likely to encourage smaller businesses to look into it and their competitors. They're going to, especially if people start using it and it gives them some kind of advantage, their competitors are not going to want to let it go. And for cryptocurrency actually being used as a currency, this is exactly the kind of thing we need. So I think this is hugely bullish. Also, in true crypto rumor style, everyone has taken the fact that Whole Foods accepting cryptocurrency is simply a stepping stone for Amazon. Because as we know, Amazon recently bought Whole Foods and everyone's suggesting that, oh, Whole Foods are trialing it and then Amazon are going to roll it out. Of course, that's logical. I don't think it's completely out of line though to be honest i think that it all depends how well it goes in amazon in uh, whole foods and in starbucks if it goes well and they make money from it they get more people in people are using it it's somehow if it's in any way more efficient i feel like everyone's gonna be looking into it and amazon are gonna obviously they're gonna see the data on it before everyone else because they are looking at the whole foods data you know that they own whole foods so while it is obviously a stretch, I don't think it's a million miles away. It's a lot better than the rest of the retard gremlin rumours. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there in that these large businesses, Baskin Robbins, GameStop, Whole Foods, Starbucks, are actually now going to get some data on crypto users spending some crypto and how well that works for them as a business. I think if you're in America, you need to go and spend some crypto. Do it now, listeners. Yeah, I would go and buy some fucking coffee or whatever bullshit Whole Foods sell. I want you to take pictures of that shit and tweet us. Yeah, because that would be, I mean, if a lot of people are using it, they're going to think this is great. If no one's using it, they're going to think this is shit. With the hashtag, Beak Daddy, Beak Daddy, I do what I'm told. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Let's get that trended. What (laughs) else have we got from Consensus, Ken? I can tell you that Microsoft are building something fancy on the Bitcoin blockchain that Mr. Bitcoin Buble is going to talk us through. Well, I, I don't know much about what they're doing on this. ID. It's super boring. Just give us an overview. ID identification? Yeah, digital identification overlaid on the Bitcoin blockchain. Been so, working on this kind of thing for ages. It's the newest version of that. Okay. But why is this blowing out the Stratus fan? Well, it's not, that, it's not just that. It's uh, in the last week or so, they've also released the... Uh, Azure Blockchain Development Kit, um, which is uh, like a, basically looks like an SDK or like a bunch of stuff for VS Code to help with Ethereum development. Uh, so they're building stuff on Bitcoin. They're helping the Ethereum community. I just wanted to kind of bring back our one of our coins of the week, Stratus, which is the C Sharp Microsoft Blockchain uh, in quotes. Um, that maybe it's not such a, you know, Microsoft aren't interested in having just a C-sharp blockchain. They are, you know, interested in where the communities are in the first place and then building tooling around that, not just going after the kind of um, 
uh, programming language as a whole. Yeah, I think Microsoft have been pretty big players in blockchain and crypto for years now, or at least a couple of years. They've been partnering with a lot of companies. They've been given, they've been by partnering, they've basically been giving them credits for Azure. They're really into crypto. Same with IBM, a couple of the more old school companies that are really deeply invested in crypto. So I'm long Microsoft and IBM on an unrelated note. Other things that have been going on. Coinbase into maybe decentralization, certainly self-custody, which is maybe what Binance should have called their decks. I don't necessarily think Coinbase is going to go full decentralized, but they were definitely talking about self-custody options, i.e. you actually own your own coins. You, 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 know, you will be able to hold coins in your own wallet while using presumably, uh, we actually, not presumably, we assume that you'll be able to hold your own coins and use the Coinbase interface and their services. That's what they were talking about, but there's no, there's nothing too concrete. We've also got Chainlink mainnet at the end of this month, which has sent the Linkies into a fever can. Biz has been good again. Is it is it in the top 100? Because I know nothing about this one. Yeah, it's like top so 50. The, ro- the robot could pick this. It's 4chan's favourite cryptocurrency. Okay. So yeah, maybe we'll do... I'd really like a deep dive into Link. That would actually be really huge. Yeah. Especially let's... after the shit you were getting on Twitter. Yeah, I, every time I mention my thoughts on Link, everyone goes mental. Check me out on Twitter, at Crypto underscore um, The most exciting news, though, is that hashtag Yang Gang. Yang Gang? Was that a consensus? Yeah, he was saying that he thinks crypto's the future, blockchain's the future. He's really into it. He got invited to talk there. He actually accepted it, which was a huge first step. But yeah, he literally said it is, quote, the future. And, quote, if I'm in the White House, oh boy, are we going to have some fun? What do you think about that, Bubla? Is he going um, Clinton-esque there? Or what, 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 like, what's his angle? <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be no semen involved in that fun, and you know it. <laughs> He's just talking about good times rolling in the crypto community, you filthy bastard. We're moving on. Sorry, Ken. But sticking with US politics, and that is Bradley Sherman, US congressman, has called for cryptocurrencies to be banned. And it's simply a coincidence that he is bankrolled by traditional payment companies. Yeah, he's just some fucking dickhead who's been saying this for years. Sherman is some total fucking moron. We've been seeing him spouting nonsense and I don't think anyone takes it seriously so this is like the fifth or sixth time he said something along the lines of crypto is for drug dealers <laughs> the Taliban uses it and if you use it you're a criminal absolute knobhead fuck you Sherman any other news as long as criminals in the Taliban are drinking Starbucks coffee I'm happy That's fine. <laughs> well I'm glad for that spicy take <laughs> it's now time to end the news and move on to Beak's Market Watch. Hold on a minute, Ken. Let me have a quick look at Coin Paprika. Hmm. It's looking pretty good. Okay, so total market cap is up over 30% in the last week to over a quarter of a trillion dollars. The highest point since August 2018. 
and maybe the best week in crypto for 18 months, two years. I can't remember a week better than this. We've all basically made it this week. And a lot of that seems to have been to do with the build-up and the first few days of consensus, the biggest crypto conference of the year. Bitcoin is plus 30%, ETH is plus 56%, and basically everything else is melting faces too. Almost anyone holding any crypto has made loads of money this week. Three absolute shitcoins were the biggest major winners of the week. NEM, LA Token, and Verge were up 90, 70, and 60% respectively, with XLM and ETH only slightly behind. BNB's up 35% this week after the hack. Uh, it pumped hard as fuck to all-time high of just over $27 after the schedule maintenance a couple of days ago. Loads of people thought that margin trading might come out. It didn't. It was some uh, security improvements after the hack. They're basically trying to uh, close a few holes, it seemed. But it is good news for when margin trading does get released. And I think if it gets released during this kind of bull run, BNB is going to make us all rich as fuck. Maker pumped hard along with pretty much everything else. It's sitting around around 690 at the time of recording the stability fee went up to 19 and a half percent which is absolutely nutty but everyone who kept their cdps open and leveraged their eth into more eth is obviously killing it nonetheless so while the die price is up over a dollar and a cent and there's still 80 million die it does seem like they're probably gonna move that the stability fee down a little being that die is over a dollar but most importantly i think for maker holders the current burn rate is twenty-two thousand maker for the next year that is over two percent of motherfucking supply so if it stays if this amount of die stays in circulation if this amount of cdps stay open and the stability fee stays at around this price we're going to burn 2% a year, which is ridiculous. Is that the same as a 2% interest rate, or does it not work that way? Uh, well, it's pretty close to it, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty close to like 2% dividends, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. That's if, you know, that that's 2% dividends, or a slightly over 2% dividends, assuming that demand doesn't go up. And with multi-collateral stuff coming in, and... Assuming that the DeFi sector increases, it really could make a load of money. Not financial advice, just random guess. Only three of the top 100, excluding a few stablecoins which lost some money, actually went down this week. Crypto.com somehow managed to lose 10%, while ABBC and HDAC both made small losses. Loads of people all over crypto Twitter are screaming alt season. But as hardened listeners to the greatest crypto podcast on earth, Crypto Weekly will know, it's been alt season for literally months now. The pumps are just getting bigger and bigger. And this week, the total market cap, excluding Bitcoin, is up over 50%, reducing Bitcoin dominance to 56%, which is still pretty high based on historical data. So it seems like this alt season has the potential to grow, not financial advice, fuck your puss, boy, lawyer. The end of consensus, which is today has historically brought dumps of varying degrees to the crypto markets. It's going to finish any minute now. We're recording the evening of the 16th UK time. So there's probably a pretty reasonable chance that we could see some sort of correction in the next hours or next couple of days. 
But with momentum this strong, I'm not planning on tethering up much, if at all. I think I'm just going to let it ride. Would you tether or would you die? I would. You've got a choice this year. I would uh, not die because it's a dollar and one cent. But I probably wouldn't tether either. I'd probably pick some other cut, some other kind of stable coin, but depends where it's available. Maybe I'd go for the old uh, Coinbase offering. Who knows? But that being said, I don't think I'm going to. I'm going to let it ride. But I think there is a reasonable chance that we do see some kind of correction. Almost every year, it's dumped after, to, to varying degrees, as I said, it's not necessarily going to fall off a cliff, but I think there is a potential for a correction at the end of consensus. But that being said, I think pretty much everyone is factoring that in. So this year could be the year it changed, Ken. Anyway, that's all from me. Not financial advice. Congrats on getting rich as fuck. Over to you in the studio, Ken. Thank you for that update, Mr. Beak. Tell me, robot, what time is it? It's time for Crypto Weeklies. Weekly Crypto. Okay, so last week, listener, we asked you which of these four coins you wanted us to deep dive into. Bitcoin, Siacoin, Crypto.com, or Ilf. <laughs> you chose correctly this week. And you asked us, with 39% of the vote, to deep dive into Bitcoin. Which one? Uh, Bitcoin. The, Bitcoin? Ori- the, the original one? The true one? The, the, the true. The, okay. The, the one, one that Satoshi eyes? Nakamoto made, assuming he isn't Craig Wright. Who is he? <laughs> Nameless Japanese dude. Allegedly. <laughs> I mean faceless. He's got a name. It's Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. Okay, so to start things off, what the devil is Bitcoin? You probably all know, but to give you a brief history lesson, the white paper came out in 2008, titled Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, written by an anonymous gentleman using the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. Or team. Or team, if we are to believe one Australian cunt. (laughs) First transactions were sent in... 2009 and it's using a piece of old technology it's not new technology if you didn't know this listener a blockchain to create a supposedly immutable store of previous transactions so that's where i want to start things off mr bitcoin buble can you talk to us a little bit about the blockchain that what? bitcoin is built on are we going completely back to fundamentals here of just talking about... After the whole Binance thing and crypto Twitter getting in a tizzy about CZ even suggesting okay. that Bitcoin could be reorganised, I would also like to title this segment You Don't Know What Bitcoin Is because apparently nobody does. Yeah, almost no one seems to understand what blockchain is. So let's let's hit them with a high-level overview of what okay. a blockchain actually is. In my, in my normal life, I do tend to draw a lot of diagrams when explaining this. So I might accompany the podcast release with uh, some sketches uh, to try and help explain this better. But um, a, a blockchain is, is basically, and the Bitcoin blockchain is basically just a list of items where each item points back to the previous item. It's, a, it's called a linked list. And the way that a blockchain is better than just a linked list is that you use that pointer reference as an ingredient into the hash for the current block 
And that means that you can't, as, as part of the ingredient, you can't then, if you change any of the ingredients, the hash of that block changes. For the benefit of listeners who don't know what a hash is, in the context of a blockchain, it's simply a way to represent the contents of a block using a much, much smaller amount of data, so it can be included in the next block, thus creating a chain. Or as Buble put it, it's basically a linked list. Google it. Other ingredients into that hash would be the contents of that block, which in Bitcoin is mostly transactions of moving money or Bitcoin around. Um, other blockchains will be data. Um, so there was one that we talked about recently that was a file storage uh, guarantee. Uh, so they're storing file data or hashes of files in that in that block. So Buble, blockchains. Are they the best way to store data? I mean, best is very subjective. There's a lot of criteria that comes into this. Uh, How else could we store data? You could put it in a in a text file. You could put it in a MySQL database. So what? why would we use blockchain instead of a database, a regular bog standard database? If, if you're a centralized party and there's no issues about... Uh, transparency or anything along those lines, a centralized database will be far more performant and better value for you and your customers than a blockchain. The reason why you'd use a blockchain is where you want multiple parties to collaborate and agree upon what's going on and the the, the kind of the, 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 the data that's going on. So you don't want one central party who could be corrupt to be able to handle all the data. You want it to be accountable and a variety of people to feed into it, right? Yes, there is there's no point in having a blockchain if it's centralised. Would you call it democratic data? Because I'm probably going to start doing that. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. Okay. Uh, so does that mean that everything on a blockchain is correct and cannot be tampered with? Is there a way for bad actors to act badly with a blockchain there's always the possibility for bad actors to get involved in in all of these things on a blockchain the current state right now is accurate as as far as the community the consensus the majority agrees upon however you can force them or you can manipulate them through um by by taking a big enough percentage control or partitioning the network in such a way that allows you to, uh, you can you can basically force a rewrite of history. Yeah. Um, so if you have enough miners, if enough miners collude, basically they can do just about whatever they want. Yes. Yeah. Which is why having a centralized party running a blockchain makes no sense because yeah. you've you've made all the trade-offs of slower speeds for transparency. But actually, that single party can completely rewrite it at any point. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why people care about decentralization in blockchains, because if a blockchain isn't decentralized, it is arguably pointless. Yes. So that is how a blockchain, and therefore Bitcoin, works. But why was it created in the first place by Mr. Nakamoto? And that is as a decentralized transfer of value. So you basically mean internet money care. That's exactly what I mean. 
that cannot be controlled by government or one party. That's correct. Yeah, and big old uh, Satoshi looked into this and was inspired by the 2008 financial crisis where like the banks sort of colluded, they all acted in the same way and they screwed the fuck out of the rest of us. They're too big to fail, we had to bail them out, we got fucked. He didn't want that to happen again. He wanted a more democratic system, like financial system, right? Yes. How well does Bitcoin work in this endeavour? Well, so we talked about this about a year ago or maybe even 18 months ago. It's working better than it used to. So the downsides of using Bitcoin as actual money, uh, you know, to pay for things, to make transactions are, number one, it costs quite a lot. It costs more than a variety of other methods. Number two is it takes quite a long time. If we're looking for six confirmations, that's obviously way more time than we'd want to be sitting around a shop. You know, we want really, if you want to pay for things, you want to pay for it. In a lot of cases, in if it's literally day-to-day uh, use, if you're going to buy, I mean, the traditional example is a coffee. If you want to buy coffee, you don't want to uh, sit there for an hour waiting for six confirmations. So that has improved slightly since you know, a year, year and a half, due both in the how much it costs and how quickly you can potentially do it due to the Lightning Network. But there are trade-offs. Bublé, I'm passing this one over to you. Okay, again. <laughs> so the, the Lightning Network runs alongside the main chain. So it's a side chain or a set of side chains in other kind of technology parlance. So they're calling it an off-chain scaling solution, yeah. right? And so that firstly, the aim of Lightning Network is to be able to make faster transactions for lower fees. Yes, or, or basically fewer interactions with the blockchain is the the, the main thing. So the, the coffee analogy, you, uh, I can set up a, a payment channel with my regular Monday morning coffee place. I will deposit Bitcoin into the channel. So I've got to have cash up front to open the channel, but it's one transaction on the blockchain to do that. I open the channel with them. I can then make as many transactions with them. I can have some smashed avocado on toast. I can have a flat white if I want. Sounds a lot like you, Bublé. It does, doesn't it? Um, but, but what I'm basically doing is offering to buy these services or make these transactions ahead of time before I've actually done it. So it's not normal for people, I yeah. don't think. It's like putting money behind the bar. Yeah. You don't do that. You get a tab or what we now call credit cards where you don't have the money up front. You choose to borrow to do this. So I don't, this is a fundamental flaw with the Lightning Network that I don't think people have got over yet. That you, It's only going to people be rich people that are going to be able to open these chains, these channels. And you don't you don't really want the rich people in control of all of this stuff because the rich people are the, like, the richest people in the world are the banks. Right. So... Are we not getting, is the not Lightning Network not basically putting the banks back in control of all those payment channels? Basically, there's a trade-off, as there is every time we seem to see uh, improvements in scaling, there is a trade-off with either security or increased centralization. So I guess it's hard to say exactly whether the level of improvement, you know, whether the trade-off is worth it, Yep. But there is certainly some pros and cons to the Lightning Network. But 
the proponents of it say that it's increased Bitcoin's ability to be used as a you know an exchange of value. Other people say goes against the Bitcoin dream. But right now, I don't think Bitcoin is quite there as far as day-to-day -day use, exchange value, money. I don't think it could replace fiat for that right now. Although for larger transactions, larger purchases, I think, I think it could be used. It's great for stuff like that because it is just so cheap to be sending money to one another. Yeah. If you want to send like a million dollars, it's so like incredibly cheap. Can you use the Bitcoin blockchain for anything other than the transfer of value? <sighs> so potentially you could, the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin core, the original Bitcoin blockchain, they're not really looking to have Bitcoin as programmable money. But there's big arguments in Bitcoin. Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV, they want to have different opcodes enabled. Basically, they want to be able to program the money to do different things. Basically like, Shitty smart contracts. Is that the gist of it, Bublé? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only reason why Bitcoin Cash forked off from no. uh, Bitcoin. The, the the other reason was the, the the way that they wanted to try and scale. So the Bitcoin core team wanted to scale with the Lightning Network, and uh, as a as an interim, Segwit was part of that solution. Um, which is basically removing a chunk of data from the blocks to enable more transactions to fit, but not increasing the size of the blocks. Bitcoin Cash, we're just fuck it, let's just have terabyte blocks. It doesn't matter. We'll just we'll just make a massive. We we'll get loads in. It's fine. Dirt cheap. Neither of which has really been proven to be right or wrong. But if Bitcoin Cash's larger blocks really does get some traction, there's nothing stopping the Bitcoin Core team from just doubling the block size and suddenly having the same performance that Bitcoin Cash has and more adoption. Okay, so to sum that up for the listener, you're basically saying that Bitcoin Cash has larger blocks, so they don't need the Lightning Network as much because they can fit more stuff per block. So there's less need. That's on-chain scaling, having bigger blocks. Off-chain yes. scaling is Lightning Network. Exactly. But there is potential for other things to be done with the Bitcoin blockchain and also people can store information like data like aside from just transactions on the bitcoin blockchain but that is very much a fringe use case isn't it yeah the other thing that people might use it for or what people think gives bitcoin uh, its value aside from using it as money you know day-to-day -day currency is the whole store of value meme the digital gold bullshit that everyone spouts a lot of people compare bitcoin to gold Gold is something that stored value for centuries, thousands of years, in fact. It's something that people move into when the financial markets are risky, as it were, when things are not going well and they want to protect their wealth. A lot of people, for especially during 2018, 2017, 2018, we're talking about Bitcoin as a store of value. Basically, when it wasn't working well as actual currency, they moved into this whole store of value meme. What they mean by that is that it's going to protect you against stock market crashes, against economic crashes. If the world implodes, if you have money in Bitcoin, it'll be worth loads of money. It'll uh, protect against hyperinflation, etc. I, for a long time, have said that I think that is total dog shit. It's not like gold 
for numerous reasons, one of which is it hasn't been around for thousands of years. Secondly, Bitcoin has no value outside of its use as a speculative asset, basically. Gold can be used for a variety of things. Most of its value comes from basically speculation. Uh, you're, you're effectively speculating on the price going up or the price not performing as badly as other stuff. Like it's a hedge. People use it as a hedge against stocks, equities, whatever, because they think that if the price of equities crashes, the price of gold will go up. You're still speculating that it will do better than uh, equities, but it does have some core value. So I, I don't think gold necessarily is a great store of value. And, you know, I love what uh, old Warren Buffett. He talks about how he hates gold. Everyone thinks he hates Bitcoin. He also hates gold. He hates all these kind of things that don't produce anything. If you hold one piece of gold, if you hold one Bitcoin, that's all you're ever going to have. The price may go up or down, but it's not producing anything. It's not. You don't have ownership of anything other than that one asset. Some things that are good stores of value have been things like businesses, owning, owning business. When the, if there's inflation and you own a business that is running profitably, you're just going to increase the price of your goods along with inflation. That will be a store of value because you're producing something. The same with houses, property. They have they have value to humans, but you need somewhere to live. That's you can't amazing. live in your gold or your Bitcoin. Exactly, you need shelter. Like Buffett always talks about how gold's the only thing that we spend billions of dollars digging up, and then we spend billions of dollars putting back in somewhere else safe. We dig it out of the ground, we put it back under the ground in a different place, and we do nothing with it aside from the small amount of uses for different things. Bitcoin doesn't even have that other the other use. The only real use it has is the exchange of value, use as a currency. And I think if they can nail that, due to the limited supply, there's only ever going to be, what, 21 million of them. If that becomes the world currency, then a side benefit of that will be that it could store value. Because it's the if it's like the only currency you can use, in the same way that the US dollar is not a good store of value because it's constantly been inflated away. But if the if the if there's no inflation with the US dollar, it would be a good store of value because you have to use it for a lot of things, paying taxes to the US government, buying oil, dealing with the US, the biggest economy in the world. So inflation is the only thing that makes the US dollar not a good store of value, which Bitcoin obviously it has inflation now, but it's capped at twenty one million. But right now, Bitcoin doesn't have any of the other utility that the US dollar does. So while everyone likes to say it's way better than fiat, at the moment it just doesn't have the same uses. So without that, I don't think Bitcoin is a store of value. And I think until they nail the currency angle, it never will be. On CoinMarketCap, at the start of the recording, there were 2,179 cryptocurrencies on CoinMarketCap. There's now 2,181. <laughs> like, it's growing by, by the minute, by the hour. What does this do to... Bitcoin, you know, you talked about Bitcoin's um, market domination being 56% or something. Yeah. You know, it's only half of what is in all of crypto. How does that single currency model work when there's actually shitloads of them? Yeah, well, firstly, Bitcoin being the global currency, I don't think it needs to do that, really. That was a slight hyperbole. I think that if they, 
if Bitcoin was a, turned into a major currency, you know, if it was you were able to use it in the same way you were able to use Great British Pound or something, it's not the biggest currency, but obviously it's a major currency, then that, that would be great. That would be obviously amazing for Bitcoin holders. Everyone gets super rich. But as you point out, there are a lot of other cryptocurrencies. Now of that 2,200 or whatever, something like 2,170 are total dog shit. But that being said, uh, Bitcoin does have competition. There are currencies that, are, that arguably do a better job of being... Faster faster confirmations, Litecoin, for example. Yeah, so faster. <laughs> that is a bit of a meme because that's their whole angle. We're exactly the same as Bitcoin, but we our confirmations are quicker. But there are currencies that if you want faster transactions and cheaper fees, they do it a lot better than Bitcoin. But you're trading off the. I mean, the big trade-off is decentralization. People really like Bitcoin because it is supposedly the most decentralized network. I. It's the least likely that to be corruptible, and that is at the heart of what cryptocurrency is all about. It's decentralized. Two thousand eight can't happen again. The bankers aren't in control of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The problem with that is that Ethereum, for instance is very close to as decentralized as Bitcoin. Some people say it's more decentralized. It seems likely that it's it'll probably be slightly less decentralized, but not a whole lot. There are more individuals that mine Ethereum. There is more of Ethereum's hashing power is outside of data centers than Bitcoin. So by some metrics, it's more decentralized. In reality, it probably is slightly more centralized, but it's close and Ethereum has other utility. It's tough. It would be a lot easier to pitch Bitcoin as this global currency if there weren't 30 other reasonably decent, or let's say three or four other reasonably decent cryptocurrencies. And the only real benefit Bitcoin has is the decentralization of its network. And that can change whenever the miners decide to switch to a different network. That's not inherent to Bitcoin. So the fact that as you say, Bitcoin is now not the only game in town. If you don't care about decentralization, it's not the best currency. It, it has its own niche. It's not the overriding single currency that it once was. And I think the only thing really propping up as that is the market's belief in it. Now, that could continue for sure, or it could not. It's all down to market sentiment, in my opinion. And we know that often that can change pretty quickly. Will anyone be purchasing any Bitcoin? Or do you hold any, actually? Mr. Buble? Why, no. Why can't we start with him first? Mr. B. <laughs> uh, I do hold Bitcoin. I didn't hold it for a long time. I thought it was super overvalued from you know the 10K through to 20K. I thought it's very overvalued. I started buying it again when it got to, well, I started buying it. I never really bought it in the first place, but I started buying it three and a half to 4K. I'm holding some now. I'm looking to continue holding it in the short term because I think that Bitcoin, I think, is going to, or there's a high chance that it continues to rise in price for the next couple of years. We've got the halving coming up, which means that the miners will get half the reward that they get now. So the inflation rate will be hugely decreased, will be halved. And I think that the world is starting to get used to Bitcoin. We can see there's adoption. It's 
starting to be used more as a currency. And I think that potentially they might be able to solve the issue and solve the problems around it being used as a currency. If it does get to be used as a currency in some form, I'm a bit dubious as to whether they'll ever manage or manage in the near future to get used for coffees, etc. But for larger transactions, it definitely could be used. And I think that that use could in turn add additional utility aside from speculation, which could make it a store of value. So in the short term, I'm holding it. I'm not super bullish for the next 50 years as a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists are. But yeah, I hold some cap. Huge. Mr. Bitcoin Boulay, back to you. I do have some. I'm not buying any more at the minute. But you're holding it for the price to increase? Yes. Legend. Huge. What about you? I have held Bitcoin in the past. I currently do not hold any. I will not be buying any more because I just prefer putting my fear into other coins, namely Ethereum. The other reason why I hold a chunk of Bitcoin is because I have a rebalancing strategy for my crypto and I need liquidity against other assets. And so I hold that as like a stable-ish, slightly less volatile asset compared to the others. Naughty. That's two out of three Bitcoin. Seems like the robot needs to pick us four more coins for next week. Hold on, Kent. Well, at least some of you turned up and I didn't have to do the whole show on my own. Hold tight P money for letting you have his flat to record in. He definitely deserves a holiday after turning up three weeks in a row. <laughs> I've been here week in, week out. Maybe I should have a holiday from this random number generation. Anyway, here's my picks for next week's Crypto Weekly's Weekly Crypto. Picking four coins from 89. Loom Network. Bitcoin Gold. Neo. Bitcoin Cash. Wow! Another big four. Those are some solid, solid picks. Come on, Loom. Come on, Loom. Loom Network, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Cash, and Neo. Neo. I don't think we're going to be talking about Loom, are we? No. Unfortunately we not. We can try, though. Oh, I'm going to pump it. I'm going to push it hard. Loom, one of the most undervalued cryptos in the top 100. But maybe we'll find out more about that next week. <laughs> it's time to end the show, then. We've been joined in the studio by Bitcoin Buble. Good evening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore Buble. Mr. Crypto Beak. One of snotchers. It's me, Crypto Beak, aka the realest one out, at Crypto underscore Beak on Twitter. In their absence, I will take on the duty of shilling their Twitter handles. Follow the Geordie Prince at HRH Geordie P. That's at HRH GEORDIEP. Many thanks. You can catch the part-timer P Money on Twitter at Dr. P Money. I am your host, Crypto Ken. You can find me on Twitter at Crypto Ken Can. Hopefully more people will bother to turn up next week to the show. We've been Crypto Weekly. You've been informed. You're welcome. Good night. <laughs>